From Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks, welcome to a week five edition of the Coach McVay Show. JB Long with DeMarco Farr here on ESPN LA 710, and Sean McVay is with us. Coming home from Dallas at 3-1 and one and sitting atop the NFC West at the quarter pole of the 2017 season. Congratulations on the victory. Did it feel like as much of a milestone, a referendum, as it did to everyone outside of this building? You know, I, I think uh, to our credit, to our to the pl- to the players' credit, and to our coaching staff's credit, you know, these guys did a great job just taking it one game at a time. Have a whole lot of respect for the Dallas Cowboys and what they represent under Coach Garrett, and uh, we knew it would be a great challenge. But you know, the guys stepped up, made the plays they had to make in crunch time, and we were able to come away with a win, and, and that was the goal. And uh, I think the the guys did a great job of making the plays that they had to make at the end to be able to close out a, a win against an excellent opponent like the Dallas Cowboys, and very pleased with that. You know, to wrap up the first quarter of the season, like you mentioned, three and one is is a good accomplishment. And now, like you hear us talk about all the time, uh, it's about moving on making sure we do a good job with our approach and preparation and hopefully it leads to a good performance against a great division opponent in the Seattle Seahawks coming to town. Yeah, a great opponent in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, they, they really gave it to you. And uh, it was a great fight back ever by your defense and your offense, Jared Goff keeping you in it. But what is it about winning there? Uh, I know it's you get a win, you've earned that win, but what about that victory in Dallas? What does that do for a football team? Well, I thought it was a great atmosphere. I think you look at you know a team that's coming off a 13 and three season. They were seven and one last year, two and one coming off a big road win that they had against a great Arizona team, and uh, they opened the season up with a good win against the Giants. And uh, that atmosphere is always fun to go play there. And, and you know, just from my experience being in that division the last handful of years in Washington, always been a tough atmosphere. Uh, very well coached team, like we said all week. No weaknesses. You know they're great in all three phases of the game, and we knew it was going to take our best shot. And, and the guys delivered in crunch time. But I think what it represents is is a big time win in a road atmosphere. You know we wanted to see how our offense would handle the elements, having to operate on the silent count, how the defense respond against a team that can run it and throw it equally as well, uh, and then the special teams unit looking to see how they responded against a, a well run Rich Pisaccia led special teams units with the with the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, just like we expected and and can't say that you're surprised, but you're appreciative. You know, John Fossil had those guys ready to roll. I thought they were excellent on teams yesterday. And uh, to Coach Wade and his staff's credit and really our defensive players, when they had to be at their best, they had some key three and outs in the second half. Mark Barron makes a huge pick based on Michael Brockers uh, tipping it up. And uh, there was a handful of key stops, and they closed it out with the win in the two-minute situation right there. A 35-30 victory, and this is the Coach McVay's show from Thousand Oaks leading into Week 5 against the Seahawks. I remember Jared Goff saying at the podium last week, talking about breaking the season into quarters, and then heard you say it in the locker room that a goal had kind of been accomplished. Can you talk about, without telling us specifically what the team's goals are, the value of kind of having those goals within a season to kind of break things up and keep things moving? Well, I I think it's a good question, and I think it's a good point just because you have a tendency to sometimes look long-term and, you know, when you look at this league, especially just around the league week in and week out, if you're not ready to play against an opponent, you can get humbled very quickly. And I think it's important for our players to have those small milestones. It's really good for our coaches as well just to keep in mind, all right, what is our goal this week? You know, we had set out, let's see if we can win consecutive road games. We were able to do that, and you close up the season 3-1. and one. Um, and then now it's, it's really about, all right, into the second quarter of the season, let's see if we can find a way to win a consecutive division game, uh, win a game at home, and get to 1-0 and in the second quarter of the season. And, and we know it's going to be a great challenge. You look at what those guys do offensively, defensively, and special teams. They've been as consistent of a team in this league over the last handful of years. And uh, we've got a lot of respect for the Seattle Seahawks and especially Coach Carroll. Not getting too far ahead, just talking about Jared Goff again. Just stuff within the game. 
you got a Rod Marinelli defense to jump off sides in their own house. <laughs> That's hard to do. Yep. You know how he coaches. And, I mean, when you see stuff like that out of a quarterback, that just, to me, that signs of he's maturing as a quarterback and as a leader. I mean, am I, am I, getting, am I right on that? Absolutely, yeah. DeMarco. I, I think, you know, when you look at being able to control the cadence, some of the pre-snap things that occur, especially when a lot of times you're not able to utilize your verbal cadence. You know, you're operating visually with some of the ways that you handle those mechanics, and I thought he handled it really well. And, and the thing that I'll continue to say that I've been very impressed with and we have as a coaching staff with Jared is, at his biggest moments, uh, he just remains even keeled, and uh, nothing nothing really seems too big for him. And uh, you know, you you feel very confident when your quarterback has that uh, that demeanor and that disposition. No matter what the stakes are, he seems to be just kind of cool, calm, and collected. And I, and I thought he was at his best in some of those biggest moments yesterday. And I think that rubs off on his teammates. And and we were able to make a couple big time plays when we had to to be able to eat up some clock, force them to use their timeouts, especially in that last drive. Reading and listening to, to some reaction, both locally and nationally today, I'm hearing fun. I'm hearing entertaining, enjoyable to watch. I've heard lots of coaches at all levels say winning is the only thing that matters no matter how we do it. Is there a sense, though, within this team, within this staff, that if you're going to win, you might as well have some fun do it and be, being dynamic doing it? Yeah, you know, I, I think the biggest thing is is that you can still have a structured approach in an environment but enjoy it and realize what a blessing it is to be able to do what we do, you know, for a living. You know, sometimes you got to pinch yourself and take a step back and think, this is pretty amazing. But we've got a great group of people that we're doing it with, with our coaching staff and with our players. And these guys bring it every single day. They make it fun for, our, for us as coaches to work with them. And then, you know, the thing that I've been so impressed with and very, pleased with is I think it's a credit to our to our leaders and really everybody else buying in is that you know throughout the first few weeks of the season we've 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 faced some different adversity be it in the Washington the 49ers or yesterday's game and even though we didn't get the outcome we would have liked against the Redskins this is a mentally tough team that I don't sense no matter what's going on uh, they don't believe that there's a way that we can just find a way to play the next snap nobody flinches nobody blinks and let's just continue to try to be the best that we can moving forward one play at a time um, with a confidence and an expectation that we can find a way to get it done. It uh, might not always be the case, but that's always about the process over the results. And when you've got a mentally tough team like we feel like we're starting to become, I think it's going to serve us well in the long run. But, but again, it's, it's always going to go back to one day at a time. But can't say enough about what our players have done to put us in a position uh, to be in a decent spot after the first quarter. Seven for seven. That's all I have to say. Greg Zerlin. Yep. <laughs> Just yeah, unreal. I mean, that's got to be great to have in your back pocket. It is. You know, you'd like to not have to give him that much work. You'd like to, to have a few more PATs. But, uh, you know, to have him come through like that when we had to have every single point that we got, can't say enough about him. And, you know, I think sometimes it goes unnoticed. You look at how automatic Jake McQuaid was. Johnny Hecker's an excellent holder. So those three really, you know, in terms of your core specialists that you talk about, can't say enough about them and, and the operation and how smooth it was. And, you know, uh, can't do any better than seven for seven and two for two. So hats off to them. All seven, no doubters. Yeah. <laughs> no, no doubters. Was, you could yeah. feel it was a clean stroke. Everything went right through the middle. And uh, there was. And, and the nice thing, too, is, is you've got a lot of confidence in him that you never really feel like he's, he's not going to do it. And I think that belief that he has in himself and the consistency that he's played with throughout the first quarter of this season resonates with his teammates. And uh, hopefully we can continue on that same pace. As we continue tonight, we'll dig a little deeper into the offense, defense, and special teams performance in a week four win and a look ahead to the Seahawks. We'll also take your questions for the head coach in a segment we call Audibles. It's tonight from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks on the Coach McVay Show here on ESPN LA 710. Welcome back to the Coach McVay Show. It's week five, and the Seahawks are coming to town. 
Uh, Coliseum will be rocking. The Rams will be in their throwback uniforms. Can't wait to see you out there on a Sunday afternoon. We continue with DeMarco Farr and Sean McVay. I'm J.B. Long. Well, let's uh, flip the script this week. Let's start with some defense because it was a tale of two halves against the Cowboys in week four after allowing 24 points and 287 yards in the first half, just six points and 153 after the break. Uh, of course, you wish you don't have to make the halftime adjustments that you did, but put in that situation uh, what can you say about Wade Phillips and the defense, the way they bought in and got results after the break? That's what you could say is they did a great job of, of finding a way to, to – I don't even necessarily know if it was adjustments, JB. It was just continuing to trust uh, some of the things that we had prepared going into the game and let's just execute the call. And hear Coach Wade talk about it all the time, alignment, assignment, technique, and effort. And as long as we're aligned the right way, everybody's on their assignment. We never have to worry about our guys playing with effort, but sometimes the technique. And when all those things are in alignment and you put those four things together with the players we have on that side of the ball you're going to give yourself a chance to play really well and I thought that's what they did is it potentially the start of something I'm sure you hope it is yeah you know I hope so and, and I think that's the that's the way that we feel about it we've got a lot of confidence in our players and 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 really our defense as a whole and I think uh, you look at a couple guys that we were able to get back you know you'd never make any excuses but I thought getting Kayvon Webster back in the secondary was was very helpful uh, allowing Nikhil Roby to play inside a little bit more. Uh, you look at what that did. You know, we slid Michael Brockers, who had typically been playing the nose to the five technique. You get Tanzel Smart a little in there a little bit more. And uh, I thought those two guys, you know, especially Brockers, I thought he showed up consistently throughout the course of the day and made a handful of plays that affected the outcome. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that you could go on and on about. But uh, to their credit, they made they were their best when they had to be their best. And, you know, you're also talking about a great def- a great offense that they played against. A lot of great individual players. Uh, I think Scott Linnan does a great job being able to mix it up, use a variety of players, and, and that's a balanced offense that can attack you both in the run and the pass game, and those are the toughest ones to defend. Linnan's like you. He hates defensive players, too. Yeah, he just tortures <laughs> them. Uh, you know, I, I love battling with armchair quarterbacks, and I say this all the time. Hell, they're going to hit plays on you. They get paid, too. But I do like the effort when – the big plays happen, you run them down. The pursuit is there when big plays break down. I mean, that's got to impress you as a coach. It does. You know, I think you look at it, you know, Connor Barwin's running uh, over 20 miles an hour to try to track Alfred Morris down. Uh, DBs end up making it, and the ball came out even though he was he was, he was was ruled down. But Connor ends up, you know, scooping that up. But I think those are the types of things that you've seen from our guys from day one. These are things that we coach, but uh, you've got to have that football character to display that effort uh, from play one to play 61. And I think that's what our guys have done. I uh, can't say enough about that, and, and really our whole team, our team as a whole has continued to do that, and, and we talk about that, and, and to the players' credit, they've made, they've made it happen on tape. Once Andrew Whitworth did it, there's no excuses. Yeah, there yeah you go. now everybody's got to chase. Um, help right. me defend Donald because it seems like he can dominate a game, but not in the stat column. I, I don't think he got blocked that much on Sunday. Nope. But still didn't make a lot of plays. So help me defend him. Yeah, well, I think you know as well as anybody, DeMarco, we, you know, what might not show up on the TFLs or the sacks are affecting the quarterback by getting him off his spot, uh, having a guard in his lap when he's trying to change his arm angle to make a throw. So Aaron affected the game in a variety of ways. Uh, he makes the one TFL on the, on the first and 10, puts him in second and 11 in the second half. So he, he and Brockers ended up, you know, really, I thought, from a defensive line perspective, affecting the game in a lot of ways that won't show up on the stat sheet, but forces the ball to come out, forces Dak to escape, and 
leave the pocket, and, and that's where you know guys have done a good job of kind of trying to stay on their man if you're in those zones or look to plaster people. But Aaron Donald's a great football player, and I think you've seen him continue to improve over the last three weeks, and um, you see why he's developed the reputation that he has. And anybody that wants to flip the tape on and say he's not affecting the outcome of the game, uh, I'd like to sit down and watch it with him because <laughs> he certainly is. This is the Coach McVay Show from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. We're previewing the matchup against the Seahawks coming off a Cowboys win. Coach, you spoke of the impact that uh, having Kayvon Webster return to your lineup made. Uh, how close is LaMarcus Joyner maybe to having a similar impact? Well, he's day-to-day right now. He's doing all the little things the right way in terms of his rehab with the hamstring. Uh, whether he's available this week or not will be determined later on. Um, but the one thing you never have to worry about with LaMarcus is he's going to do everything he can in his power to put himself in position to be ready to go. And he's a great competitor. We definitely would love to have him out there, but I think it's provided an uh, excellent opportunity for some guys to step up and answer the bell, and, and I thought they did that yesterday. How about Tanzel Smart? Tanzel Smart, yeah. big time. You know, it, it, you know that was a great job. You, you know, he's trying to get across uh, Frederick's face, draws the holding call on the two-point play, and probably ends up being the difference in, in, in the way that that game flows for the rest of it in, in terms of the outcome. So great job by him. He shows up. He, he, he just does what he's supposed to do every snap. I was looking at him like, you don't even know what you just did, did you? Just keep playing, man. Good <laughs> big stuff. Time. Yeah. Big time play. Have you defended enough two-point conversions oh. to last year, maybe the, the month of October? Man, that was a, that was a long sequence right there. But, uh, you know, to the guy's credit, they just kept taking it one, one snap at a time. And I thought Wade made some good timely calls, and, and we were able to come away with, uh, you know, preventing them from getting that conversion. Uh, have you seen anything, this is, uh, I guess, schematically, and stop me if it's getting into strategy, but week in and week out versus your defense, are you seeing a lot of the same plays or same concepts? Well, I think it is a copycat league, and, you know, Coach Wade has had so much success for so long. You know, I think he has made some tweaks to fit our personnel, but, you know, just like anything else, you know, you play some of these teams that have standard coverages or fronts, there's going to be the, the typical ways to attack them. And I think um, when you see a team maybe have a certain successful scheme against it, you're going to get repeated, um, you know, ways of seeing it that fits within the framework of that offense that you're going against. But, uh, you know, you saw that within Dallas, being able to do some of the things that they've had a lot of success with. Some of them worked, and then some of them the defense did a great job responding. But um, I would say that you do see some of those things, and the guys get more comfortable being able to adjust and know, all right, here's the primary way that we're getting attacked. And I think you see us getting more and more comfortable with each week. As we bridge this gap between uh, week four in Dallas and week five in the Seahawks, I wonder if there are similarities between what you have to do against someone like Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. Granted, they're different body types, but they both seem to be very dynamic and creative off schedule outside the pocket. Yeah, no, there, there's no question about it. I think it's why they're two of the best in this league. Um, continue to come away impressed with Russell's ability to be able to create off schedule. But I think it's also underappreciated what a good job he does if things are there in the rhythm and timing of the play, being able to throw the ball accurately, accurately and get it to some of his playmakers. You know, you look at uh, Doug Baldwin, I think is one of the better receivers in this league. Jimmy Graham had one of the quietest uh, productive years <laughs> for a tight end last year. You know, you look at what he did um, production wise and it's amazing. You're like, well, why didn't anybody talk about how good of a player he is? He's produced for so long, and um, when he's healthy, he's he's a problem. And and I think um, I think Russell is extremely special, and, and it poses a great challenge, just like Dak did. I'm glad he's not tall. I like that he's short. Yeah, I'll tell you how to stop him. Sit Ma- uh, sick Mac Longacre on him. Yeah, just put him on him. <laughs> He'll go. go. Yeah, that guy's been playing well on teams on defense. 
I, I can't say his name enough during the game. Yeah, he's no, tremendous. He, yeah. he really does. He does a great job providing some depth uh, as one of those edge rushers. You know, he and Robert Quinn have a nice rotation. But Matt Longacre just does what he's supposed to do, and and he's very productive. And you know, like you said, you see him showing up as a lead blocker for Farrell Cooper and the special teams on the kick return where he goes for sixty plus. So uh, you know, he's had a couple sacks this year. He's done a good job, and and Matt's very productive and very reliable. And and you can't have enough guys like that. The Longacre moment. See, every week I was on his bandwagon. <laughs> early training right. camp of last season uh the coach mcfay show will continue next your questions for the head coach just one segment away but let's talk offense the top rated offense in the national football league a breakdown of week four and we continue from thousand oaks uh, demarco far and jb long here at cal lutheran in thousand oaks with sean mcfay we continue our conversation breaking down the win with the cowboys and a look ahead to the seahawks with some offense the top scoring team in the national football league the la rams after four weeks and todd Gurley has played a massive part in that the player of the month in the nfc for september comes off of that and starts october with 215 total yards a career high when you inherit this roster and you look at it on on film was this best case scenario did this exceed your wildest expectations with respect to todd well i i think you're talking about just todd's production yeah just you know, I, Coming off the year he had, did yeah. you think this was possible right away? Um, you know, to say, it, you know, when you're looking at the numbers, you know, I, I don't know that you're ever really project, projecting as a coach what it is, but you're looking at a player that you feel like you can build around. And I, I don't really care what the numbers said for last year. We look at the tape as a coaching staff, and what you see is an extremely talented player. And then as soon as you got here, all you see is a guy that works day in and day out. He's one of our hardest workers on the team. He's motivated the right way where you could see he has no chance of believing that he's not the type of player that he played as a rookie. He's got a swag and a quiet confidence about himself that uh, you felt very good about. If he's put in some situations and he's got some pieces around him, this is the type of performance that you're going to see from Todd. And to say you're surprised by it, I wouldn't say you're surprised by it, but uh, you want to see him continue to play at a high level. And I thought yesterday, you know, in spite of him, not in spite, but for him to get Offensive Player of the Month is a great credit to him and our offense as a whole. But then I thought he played his best game yesterday just in terms of a complete game, ball security, being a great runner, setting up his blocks, pressing it one gap at a time, making some huge plays in the past game, did some things in product and protection. So uh, that was his best game by far, in my opinion, and, and, and I thought it showed, and I thought it was a key reason why we were able to come away with the win. He gave us the leap again, got caught in the nether region, but I swear. So I told him, I said, you better be careful, man. That's going to hurt. Thank you. I, but I swear he was up so high, I think he, he clears your head. He probably yeah. does. <laughs> I'm not the tallest guy, but I, I'm a little bit uh, shorter than Jeff Heath. So, <laughs> you know, it was uh, – you know, he, he's, he continues to impress you, but uh, the way that he works, and you guys know, you see him day in and day out, th- these are the types of things where your practice preparation has a chance to show up and become that game reality like it has for him. I love your center, the way he plays, very technical, but I love his toughness. Yep. Here's a guy that misses time, comes right back, starts, doesn't miss a snap. Yeah. I thought that was impressive. Very impressive. You know, John Sullivan is is an extremely sharp player, one of the sharpest I've ever been around, so... You know that when he has to miss the week of preparation, I thought it was great for Austin Blight to continue to get that experience if he had to go. But John steps in seamlessly, does a great job of handling all the different calls and things that occur, especially in a noisy atmosphere like that. And I thought he played really productive in both the run and the pass and, um, you know, displayed that toughness like you're talking about, DeMarco, and it was it was key for us. One more follow-up on Todd Gurley. We're at the quarter pole of the season. Do you have to make sure there's tread on those tires for December and maybe January with – 
the numbers he's getting well, so far. I, I think you know that you're for sure going to have 12 more games, and, and I think we want to be mindful of that. I think you also got to do a good job of communicating with Todd. How's your body feel? How are you able to absorb these touches? Uh, and then Reggie and Ted, our, our head athletic trainer and head strength coach, they do a great job of, of, of being able to keep us in the loop with the best way to approach the weekly preparation and then also his load in the game. So those are things that you want to make sure that you're aware of and uh, you want to have him at his best later on in the season as well. So we might be more cognizant of, of spelling him a little bit, but make no mistake about it, we want the ball in his hands because good things happen when it when it is. That's got to be the most dramatic change from one back to another when it goes from Todd to Tavon. Yep. Yeah, I mean big, small, fast. But it's still effective when Tavon takes the football. Absolutely. You know, Tavon is, is a great natural instinctual runner. You know, I can remember when he was coming out, uh, what he did against Oklahoma when he was in the pistol a lot. Uh, he's got a great feel. That's why he's such a special punt returner. And uh, I don't think we can find enough ways to get the ball in his hands. And, you know, when you look at some of the running back depth that we do have, with him being able to legitimately line up in the home position and take carries and have such a good feel for even though he might be smaller, he doesn't take those big shots. So I think you feel comfortable being able to run him on a lot of the schemes that you're running, you know, your bigger backs in this league on. And, and I think he's shown why he's capable of it. He's part of a nice dilemma that you have on your hands this week, especially with Mike Tom. Thomas returning uh, eligible after his four-game suspension, who I know you like on offense and especially on special teams. Right. Uh, more skilled position players that I'm sure you would like to have active and on your roster than, than maybe you can keep. How do you handle that going into week five? Yeah, well, we're, we're excited to get Mike back. I think when you look at what Mike's been able to do over the course of the preseason and, and really going back to the offseason before he had the foot injury, been very impressed with Mike. I thought he continued to improve playing the receiver position. Definitely offer, offers a dynamic deep threat, uh, but he's more and more consistent running routes competes well in the run game and then like you mentioned he's a he's a valuable contributor for bones in the special team so these are positive problems as my dad would say and we'll get him back and, and we'll figure out a way to make it work uh for our team and what's best for that but but we are excited to get mike back in the mix it was great for us uh to see tyler higby be a major part of the offense i yeah. mean Good to see him get some out there on Sunday. I thought it was great for him, too, you know, especially right away, getting into the flow of the game where he makes a great catch on the second uh, second play of the game for 29 yards. And, um, you know, he's a very good football player. I think he's playing really well in the run game, just missed him on another opportunity down the field. But for him to make a couple crucial catches, play the way that he did in the run game, I, I thought Tyler had a really good game yesterday. Ask the cup question. Go ahead. No, no. See, we can't get out without asking Cooper Cup. Well, go we got to get golf in. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> how well is this offense playing? We haven't talked about the quarterback yet. Uh, one play stood out to me. Uh, it was early in the fourth quarter. Start of the fourth quarter, you're behind the chains facing third down, right? Yep. And you have the lead. A lot of coaches, a lot of quarterbacks in that situation would run the ball, punt, let your defense do the work. But here, early in his second year, you cho- chose to throw it in the middle of the field and you convert it with Robert Woods. Is that a sign of how much confidence you've gained in golf through four weeks? Well, yeah, I think it's a confidence in him. I think it's also a confidence in our players. You know, you look at it, this is a third and 11 play. It's the start of the fourth quarter. We had taken the lead on the long touchdown pass to Todd, you know, earlier in the third. And and I thought he did a great job. He, you know, he recognized the coverage, delivered a strike in the timing and rhythm, but it was also great protection. You know, that's a seven-step, one-hitch timing throw, and those take a while to develop. Gerald Everett and both Malcolm Brown did a great job lending presence on each edge for the tackles, and I thought we were stout inside versus a four-man rush, and, and Robert and, and, uh, and Jared were able to connect on a great play. Best collective effort from the offensive line? Did you I'll, think, did I'll, we I'll think let him yeah. answer that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I think when you look at it, especially given the front that we were playing, 
uh, anytime that you're able to produce in the run game like that and then for the most part keep the quarterback clean. Um, and, and I think, you know, that that was a really, you know, great front, great challenge that we had. You look at what the Marcus Lawrence and really their whole entire front had posed in terms of some of the problems and threats that they had, you know, given to some of the teams that we played prior to them. And they, they did a great job and very pleased with them. Coach Cromer's taken two new pieces to an offensive line with a new scheme, and they're all playing better, it seems like. I mean, talk about the work that he's done. Yeah, he's done a great job. He's a great teacher, a great communicator, uh, I think. Uh, he and Andy Dickerson and really Zach Cromer, his son, those three have worked really closely with our offensive line, and, and their play is showing up. But I, I think you also add to the mix that you, you bring in veterans like Andrew Whitworth. You look at the way Roger Saffold's playing and John Sullivan's um, influence on those guys. I think Jamon Brown and, and Rob Havenstein continue to get better, and anytime you're around pros, pros like those three are, that's what you're going to give yourself a chance to do. Uh, too much good stuff to talk about. We're behind schedule, so we'll get out quickly here and continue with the Coach McVay Show with Audibles, your direct line to the head coach when we continue on ESPN LA 710. We continue with the Coach McVay Show, previewing week five and a game against the Seahawks, three and one atop the NFC West. The Rams are back at the Coliseum and back in the NFC West. All right, Audible's time. It's your direct line to the head coach, DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long here with Sean McVay. Uh, we go to social media for this set of questions and we start with Blue Blood Rams among others who wanted to talk about uh, Todd Gurley, and we just talked about kind of the, the tread on his tires, but they want to know he's playing every game like it's his last. Is there any concern in your mind about how he can hold up for a full 16 games? No, not right now. I think we've got to do a good job of, of making sure that we do have that long, you know, that big picture perspective in mind and, and continue to communicate with Todd and our training staff of, of what's going to be best with him to sustain through those 16 weeks. And um, right now, I think you feel good. His body, he feels good. We might alter the way that we approach the weekly preparation with him, but um, I think being able to get some of those other guys a little bit more involved, you get Malcolm Brown where he's feeling fully co- recovered off the hamstring injury and then continuing to find ways to get the ball in Tavon's hands is are going to be some creative ways that we can continue to spell Todd. But you also don't want to lose sight of what a great player he is and, and when the ball's in his hands, good things happen. So um, it's something that we will continue to monitor and, and be very mindful of. But right now, you know, I think he feels good and he's playing at a real high level. 23 rush attempts. I mean, that's about where you want it, right? Yeah. yeah. I think so. And, yeah. then, you know, and, and then you look at it where I think Jared's doing a great job of getting through some progressions where he's making seven catches, I want to say, in the, in the past game. And a lot of those are checkdowns, and it's a credit to the quarterback being able to get through a progression, find his outlet. And then there's some of them where he is the primary read. And um, the way that he's able to show that he can be a uh, complete back, like we've kind of talked about, uh, continues to, you know, he continues to make us right on that, and, and we'll look to use him in a variety of ways. A related follow-up on Twitter, courtesy of Keon Monroe. Uh, what did you see as a play caller to know that Todd Gurley would be open on that touchdown catch and run? Well, you know, to that, that was something that I'd be lying. You know, you look at – you have a lot of respect for things that go around in the league, and Kansas City had run a similar version of that play against the Patriots on the first game of the year. We saw that, um, and then New England actually ran it against the Saints in week two. And we always try to find ways to run plays that are that you know are they fit within the framework of what we've done. You look at what Tavon's done off some of those short motion jet sweeps, and we felt like it fit. And um, can't take the credit for that one, but uh, the guys did a great job of executing it. We put a lot of work in that play, and and uh, and they were able to make that thing happen. And I think with some of the coverages that Dallas was playing, uh, we ended up getting the look that we wanted, and, and they made it happen. Segment we call audibles on the Coach McVay show, and let's go to Instagram next. Ethan Sieber asks, with such a young team, how do you keep your players from getting complacent at 3-1 and one in first place? Well, I think you continue to do what we've done from the start, and that's take it one day at a time. I don't think guys are getting complacent. I think they enjoy the feeling that we shared collectively 
early after the Colts, 49ers, and the, and the Dallas wins. So sure is a lot more fun, but I think we're very process-driven right now, and I think the players are bought into that, and they understand that each day that we have leading into that game is very important so that we can play with a quieted mind, we can have the right approach and the preparation, and then hopefully that can lead to the performance. And I think the guys have done that. That's what we try to do as a coaching staff, and as long as we keep that approach, I think we'll give ourselves a chance to try to do it the right way. Victory Mondays work, too. Yeah, I'm just saying. Not you know. yet. we got to win a lot more for those victory Mondays. We come in and, and we'll go about our normal business. So we're 3-1. We're and one. We feel good about that. But maybe we'll have that conversation a lot later on in the season. Uh, Robert Hopefully. Sh- Robert Schaefer on Twitter asks, what's the current decision-making process in terms of which coaches help with making the choice to challenge a play or not? Yeah, ultimately, uh, you know, I'm the one held accountable for that, and, and, and you have the final decision, but I think you heavily rely on your coaches up top if they see replays. When you look specifically at the ones yesterday, uh, to Dallas's credit, we didn't get a chance to see those, so those are kind of split-second decisions where you've got to be able to see it, trust that, okay, maybe it's one way or the other, and if you feel like it's something that when points are at stake, you want to take a chance in worst case scenario you lose your time out especially given the fact that all the change of possession and the scoring plays are reviewed by the booth anyways you feel like you can be a little bit more aggressive with those and and that's what you know that's what the decision was with with the ones that we went for yesterday it didn't work out and, and I got to do a better job there personal note sometimes they should review the review that's just me and you right JB? yeah yeah uh, I think we got our two cents in on the little bit the I referees did. yesterday <laughs> ourselves on air uh, back to Twitter Bradley Barber asks what are you most proud of about this team so far yeah I think uh, most proud of the, of the way that they continue to connect as a team it feels like it is truly a team it's not offense defense and special teams it's one team guys are legitimately happy for each other's success and then the thing that we're, I think we're most proud of that I think has really helped us is the mental toughness that we display when we face some adversity it showed up in really three of the four games if you're really looking at it and love the way that we just keep an even keel demeanor and we play the next play I never sense anybody uh, ever feels a pressure or you know the, the negative response from things that don't go our way it's just what's next all right let's take the next play let's be the best version of ourselves that we can be and try to make sure that we get things corrected and move forward but I think you're starting to see a mentally tough team and that's a credit to our coaching staff and our players and that'd probably be the thing that we're most proud of right now a question inspired uh, by Jared Goss performance so far from Yogi Roth on Instagram. With the growth of spread systems in high school and college, what ends up being the most challenging element for a young quarterback when they enter the league other than knowing the verbiage and having to huddle? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I would say the most challenging thing is really just getting accustomed to, to running, you know, whatever that offensive identity is and the philosophy while also being mindful that you want to shape things to your player strengths. And I think the defensive coaches in this league are so good. You're seeing a variety of coverages. You're seeing a variety of fronts and different things like that behind it. So uh, that run-pass balance. But I think the biggest challenge is learning how to play underneath the center, get comfortable with the mechanics, whether it's the drop-back game, the play actions, the movements, um, and then really just getting used to whatever those key dropback plays are. What are my answers, and how does that dictate the timing and rhythm with my feet? You know, and, and and that's not exclusive to the spread offense or to any coach. That's just you know for us right now. I'm not sure exactly how he was coached at Cal. I know it worked out where he had a lot of success. Um, but really, we try to make some tweaks to, to the way that we're asking uh, Jared to play within the framework of our system in terms of the timing and rhythm and how the routes are accompanying with your drops and, uh, and your progression. And, and I think he's done an excellent job. And I would say those are some of the challenges that, that you face in one of the more difficult positions in sports. Do you need him to give you anything more than what he's done through four games? Uh, I think you're just looking at for continued improvement. And, and I think what you've seen from him is he's done a lot of really good things. I think the quarterback position, 
position is so difficult that uh, when the ball's in your hands every single play, there's always going to be a couple things that you're going to want back. And I think your ability to learn from those, continue to do the things that you're doing really well uh, consistently throughout the season is going to be very important. But what I've been extremely impressed with and pleased with Jared is that he is getting through progressions. He's finding checkdowns if that's what you know the coverage dictates based on the play call. And any time that you've got four games and in three of those four he hasn't turned the ball over, that, that's really that's exciting and that's encouraging because other than points, there's no greater indicator of winning and losing football games in this league than turnovers. And if you take care of the football and you get it back on special teams and defense, uh, that's going to be a recipe for success. Uh, one more question from our audience here on Audibles on the Coach McVeigh show. And the great thing about success is it creates an insatiable appetite for more. So Calvin Ward asks, uh, Coach, love the win, but when can we have back-to-back games where Woods and Watkins are more involved with the offense? Coming off a win here. <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think the one thing that you really appreciate about Sammy and Robert is that when their number was dialed and they got, you know, a play that was called for them and the ball came to them, they made the plays. Sammy on the play-action pass where he goes down, digs it out, makes a great 17-yard catch, and then Robert on the third down and 11. So you watch the way those guys competed without the ball, very pleased with them. Um, but I think the nice thing that Jared's doing a good job of, and ultimately it falls back on me, i got to do a better job of finding ways to get those players that are special like them involved. Um, and based on the coverages, you know, we might not always get the looks that we want, and it might, re- you know, it require another guy to step up. You look at Cooper Cup, might not have had his number called against the Niners as much, but he stepped up big time yesterday, made a handful of plays, and then I, th- I thought you saw Tyler Higby com- contribute as well. All right, one more segment here on the Coach McVeigh Show leading into week five at home against the Seahawks, and we will turn our attention to Seattle next from Cal Lutheran in Thousand Oaks. Well, much like the Ramsey, Seattle Seahawks rallied for a second-half victory after trailing 15-10 to 10 at the halftime. They finish off the Colts 36-3 to 3 in the second half. That was the biggest point differential in a second half in their franchise history. So they ride into the Coliseum with a lot of momentum, and it's an NFC West showdown. Welcome once again to the Coach McVeigh Show. Final segment with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and the head coach, uh, Sean McVay, so you're back in the division. Uh, your first game against the Seattle Seahawks. The team will be wearing throwbacks. We expect the Coliseum to be electric. Just how big is this game? Uh, it's our next game, so it's a very big game. And, and I think uh, when you look at what this opponent represents in terms of consistency over the last handful of years, giving themselves a chance to compete for world championships, uh, what Coach Carroll brings to the table, what some of their individual players bring to the table, it's a great challenge. And we've got to be at our best if we're going to give ourselves a chance to do it. And I think when you look at you know two great playoff teams that we've played now in consecutive weeks, uh, did a great job against Dallas. Now let's see if we can follow up a good performance on on the road back at home against a, a great divisional opponent. I, I just wonder, like, do you put yourself in Pete Carroll's shoes to look at your offense to see what he's seeing? Yeah, yeah. I, you do. You know, that, that, that self-scout and making sure that you're aware of what you've done and how the defenses are preparing to defend you is extremely important and vital to part of our preparation. You know, it's not just about the opponent prep, but it's also about knowing what you've done and how your opponent is preparing for you. We, we, we delegate as much time with our opponent prep as we do with our self-scout, and, and, and that's uh, extremely valuable and important part of, of our weekly rhythm. What does it say about a, a team to have a rash of injuries like Seattle did on Sunday night? with Chris Carson and Reese Udiambo, their left tackle, Cliff Averill, Jeremy Lang, and they seem to get better as pieces fall off throughout the game. Yeah, it, it shows what a great team they are. It shows the depth that they've you know, been able to acquire on that roster, and it shows that uh, you know, these coaches do a great job of getting everybody on their roster ready to go when their number's called, and that's what great teams do. And um, you know, can't say enough about, about them as a whole. You talk about what you said with Dallas last week, it's the same thing. Not a single weakness on this team, great on offense, defense, and special teams. 
Um, we know how, how special they are on the defensive side of the ball and how special their quarterback is. And when you've got those th- two things uh, together, it, you're going to give yourself a chance to win a lot of football games, and that's what they've got. As a play caller, how much respect do you have for Earl Thomas? Unbelievable amount. I think he's got as much range as any middle safety in this league. Uh, he can truly go red line to red line. A lot of guys, you talk about going numbers to numbers. Uh, he can cover a lot more ground than that. I think he plays great with vi- with his vision. He's got good ball skills, uh, excellent as an underneath defender, great, great in space, uh, not a weakness to his game and that's why he's a premier safety in this league we talked about the quarters of the season a couple of times you're at the quarter pole now at three and one uh, but you'll have more division games in the second quarter than you did the first yeah those divisional games are extremely important because um you know these are play these are guys that you see you know twice a year but they're also you know everybody's going to have a representative that gets a chance to get into the playoffs but uh, for us right now, I think the thing that our players have done such a good job of that we'll continue to maintain that same uh, focus and concentration is one day at a time, one game at a time. And uh, this is our second divisional opponent that we're playing this year, uh, and it's going to be a great challenge to try to get to 2-0 and in the NFC West. I mean, week five, you still have your hair. Your beard's still nice. <laughs> it still is. It's yeah. still nice for now. Players were joking with me. I got my birthmark that's white hair. They, they, they said, oh, Coach, you're getting gray hair already? I said, yeah, you guys keep stressing me out. This thing's going to be my whole head by the end of the year. I think your line was anybody have a beer after the uh, the win at San Francisco, that's, right? That's I'm, how I felt yesterday, too. I, I can only imagine. Can you sense through four games uh, a different sense emotionally being in the head coach's headset as opposed to the coordinator's headset? You know, I think you're so invested in, in both roles. I think you've got a, obviously a little bit more responsibility and accountability to the team. But the thing is, is, is you want to try to, you know, you want to see these guys have success so badly that you want to do everything in the framework of your role to make sure that you're taking care of your job to try to help them have that success. And it's so important. You're so invested in these players and these coaches. And any time that we're able to come away collectively with the result that we want it it certainly is a gratifying feeling and it makes all that work leading up to that week so worth it final thought DeMarco wow Uh, you know uh, just the post game just seeing the guys come in excited you're excited everybody's excited just great job so far I mean a long way to go but great job so far no I appreciate that you know it it was fun too watching Wade how how much of a kick did he get out of himself fooling the team on the breakdown right there when he's when he says uh Rams on three Rams everybody (laughs) got everybody so what a great way he's got about himself and I thought it was really cool for him to be able to go back to Dallas and 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 get a win uh come away victorious well here's to another one on Sunday against the Seahawks and a few more game balls to distribute in the Coliseum that sounds great guys all right thank you Sean thank you